0: Your local McDonald's owners across Washington, D.C., Greater Baltimore, and Eastern Shore are committed community members who all celebrate the diversity of the neighborhoods that they serve. Black History Month is a special time to spotlight the many African-American and Black individuals and organizations that have contributed to our area's growth and development. McDonald's sees, supports, and celebrates you now and all year long. This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman, brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring
1: success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, this is another episode, episode 35 now of the Midlife Mail Podcast. Um... If you're liking what you hear, subscribe to the show. Uh, Check out gregsheinman.com for all the other episodes and blogs. You can find me at Instagram at gregscheinman, or you can just email me at gscheinman at gmail.com. On the show today, I am super excited. My guest is Mr. Ken Rubin. Um, Ken is the managing director of ZRG Partners. He's also the founder of Executive Athletes, and the host of his own podcast, the Executive Athletes Podcast. Ken, welcome. Uh, thrilled, thrilled to have you today. Awesome. No,
0: it's great to be part of this. I love, you know, try to spread the gospel that you and I were chatting about earlier, so thank you for, uh, thank you for having me on. Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm I'm excited to have you here. I really want to talk about about this, this bio of yours, you know, your, your background in your life. I find it fascinating. Um, the balance between executive, um, professional, you know, career and executive athlete, who you are, um, how, how you live your life philosophy and, and perspective. Um, and I, and I want to start with one thing in particular, um, the, the first line of, your bio that I, that I read, even on, on LinkedIn, was, I help people to achieve their dreams and companies to reach their goals. So It's a big, big statement. Um, where did that come from? And, and describe that to me a little bit. So I've been in
0: the executive search business for 20 years. Um, I've seen a couple different recessions. I saw the first recession in 2001, after two years of being in the business, and then saw the major downturn in 2008, 9, 10, and one that I still don't think we've really ever come out of. Um, The economy seems to be going well and everything's going well. It's a recessionary mindset. But Prior to that, my my whole career, I was focused on being a professional ski racing coach. I had grown up ski racing, um, raced all through college, and coached after college for two or three years. And that was sort of the path I was going to go down, and my uh, girlfriend, now wife, sort of gave me the ultimatum: we doing this for the rest of our lives, and that was about the end of that. So, making twenty thousand dollars a year or seventeen thousand dollars a year wasn't on her on her radar, and, and I don't think it was really on mine. But I was, you know, still living the dream and being out there and training and skiing and bike racing in the summer, and I thought that would last forever. Um, so it really, that statement comes from helping, you know, I've always loved to coach people. I've always liked to work with people. I've always loved to help guide people down a path that they want to go after. And it doesn't mean to be athletics. It doesn't need to be business. It's just, and, and I always, and I hate to say, follow your passion, but sort of go after what makes you, you. And I think follow your passion is, Everyone always says that. And it's really, it's almost just the opposite. It's just be who you are and be authentic to yourself. And I think that's where, you know, there's a line that Warren Miller uses. You're unique just like everyone else. But it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's unique. Everyone has their own personality, what they want to do and what they accomplish. And I try to help that in the search business. I help that with companies, try to find their you know, people that are authentic that are going to work for them one of the biggest things that I see in this business is really just, it's really just a matchmaking service. Um, People are people and people want to work with people they like. So that's really, you know, and that statement's a bold statement, but it really just comes down to people want to, you know, be themselves and they want to work with people they want to work with.
1: Yep. No no doubt. Let's talk a little bit about, um, to me, the the dichotomy of it though. On, On one hand, um, you know you're in this matchmaking uh, executive search business professional service in a business and on the other hand um, you're this executive athlete who's competing in in, in death races um, you know, adventure races all over um, the place what's what's that like for you kind of day to day and and that and that balance do you fit professionally? Um, like, like, where are you most comfortable, I guess, is what, what I'm getting at.
0: You know, I think I'm comfortable in both rounds. I really like, I like the, it, it balances well, uh, because they're almost totally opposite, right? They're total opposite sides of the scale of being, you know, being sort of, if anyone knows about the ski culture or the adventure race culture or any of that, it's sort of the dirt bag in all of us that just want to be out in the woods and, Drive in a van and live out of a van. Um, then on the opposite side, there's us that love to be in the boardroom. We love to put deals together. And if you look at a lot of the people that do a lot of these races, the average age is, you know, probably 46, 47 years old. Um, it's people that just, you know, sort of want to push the limit and really try to, try to see what they're made of. Um, you know, I've, I've won a number of fairly significant hard races, but this adventure racing thing right now is, it's a whole new level of really smart, of perseverance, of endurance, of really pushing yourself. And I think that's really what I enjoy, um, you know, both sides of it. But again, you're grounded by your your position, your professional life, but then sort of it grounds you on the other end too.
1: What are some of the uh, some of the races that you that you've done?
0: Last. Less- about a month ago, or three weeks ago, I just did a five-day, four- to five-day adventure race called Untamed New England, all between Maine and New Hampshire, back and forth. We started in the summits of it's uh, Sunday River and ended on the coast of Maine and New Hampshire. Um, so that, you do a team, you have to do it with a team of four people. Everyone has to stay together the entire time, and you have to have one person of the opposite sex. So there's a lot of interesting dynamics that go on during that as well. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of thriving there. And then I've done a lot of individual races, the Tuckerman Inferno, the Death Race. I've won a bunch of, you know, other smaller races as well. So
1: Now, where do you find out, for something like the last one that you did, where do you find your teammates?
0: I've been racing for years and years. So it's really just, you know, piecing together the right people. Um, Again, I probably – I don't even know that I'm doing it but sort of what it like what I do in my search business. Can everyone work well together when mm-hmm. it hits the fan and everyone work well together when it's good? Because I'll just give you an example. This first, this race we just did, we were within the first probably eight to ten hours, we were in some of the most torrential rains I've ever been in. We were in trees that literally were about six inches apart from each other that or had sharp sticks, you know, subalpine trees, sharp sticks sticking out of them. And all of us are saying we're never doing this again to come <laughs> over the finish line four days later saying, hey, when's the next one?
1: So it's, awesome. it's
0: that type of dynamic that's, that's interesting. And you try
1: to keep people up. Now, how um, do you train in particular? Um, and and how do you find the time to train you, if you do it? Yeah. And... and I guess you're, at, at this point your family's become accepting of it, or do they just think you're crazy?
0: <laughs> so, how do I train for it? I, th- I think I'm never not training, right? It's uh, I do everything. I go to CrossFit. I do a lot of running or longer, you know, endurance runs or rides on the weekends. Um, sometimes I'll do double sessions, but not, you know, for the most part. I, you know, a lot of people train twice a day. I, I only really train once a day. Um, and I do it uh, nothing crazy, an hour, an hour and a half, a lot of times at lunch. Um, unfortunately, because I work from home, so I can break away and, and do that, or if I have to go a little bit longer. But I know on the other end, I got to get up earlier so I can start working then, or I got to get up earlier to make sure the kids' lunches are ready to go to school. Um, or you know, at the end of the day, my wife has to go into the office to make sure dinner's started, that type of stuff. So um, The way I I really focus on my life is in three different buckets. It's family, fitness, and, you know, my career. So almost three Fs, family, fitness, and financial. And if one of those three starts getting out of whack, it's really when I start pulling back on one and focusing on the other.
1: Do you think that, I guess, the, the adventure racing and the lifestyle that you live um, you know, balancing that adventurous and, and athletic side, um, you know, with your career, uh, that you found that balance, meaning that, okay, you know, maybe you sacrifice a little bit in terms of income, um, but it allows you the freedom, you know, to do these things that you love, you know, doing or, but then yeah, how have you, how have I guess, kind of come to grips with that over over the course of your career?
0: You know, it was, it's always been one of those things where, I'm not willing to give up that side of me, I think. And a lot of people do. I've never given up. I've never really stopped for any length of time. You know, I've put on a few pounds because, me, you I know, like, you know, I like having red wine or a couple good beers every now and then, but I also know I'm not going professional as well. So I've, I really keep that balance in terms of that. Um, I think, For, and no, exactly like you said, I could be making more money. I could be traveling more, but I wouldn't be able to spend time with my family. I wouldn't be able to spend time training and doing the things I want to do. I'm pretty, I'm fortunate because I can work from the road. I can work from being in New Hampshire in the mountains or in Maine on the coast or wherever, wherever we are. So uh, my wife and I have figured out a balance point where um, we really focus just, like I said, try to focus on those three main things and it's amazing when you try to get rid of a lot of the other noise how you can actually pull stuff off
1: (laughs) yeah so when did you first start executive athletes um and what was your kind of motivation and, and inspiration behind behind taking on on that as well
0: so crazy story being as you can imagine being an executive recruiter during uh 2008 through 2011 today um, and i focused primarily on commercial finance and commercial lending as you can imagine there's not a lot of there wasn't a lot of lending going on um mm-hmm. and i and i was cold calling people trying to get searches out of people and everyone was just you know, more or less scared for their job they're not gonna you know, give you a search to try to help them find new people but there are really be coming to the point, hey, can you help me out? Because they had no idea what was next for them. Um, and I started saying to myself, you know, I want to talk to people that are like me. There's got to be other individuals that are out there that start this conversation off much easier. You're an Ironman. You're an adventure racer. You're a crosswader. You're a skier. You're this. You're that. You're a cyclist. You're a triathlete. And that's really where, where it came from. I said, hey, if I'm going to start cold calling people, I might as well cold call people that I have something in common with. And that's really where Executive Athlete was born and bred. It came from there. Um, and the funny thing is, it's, it's led me to a lot of other opportunities other than just search business. Believe me, I've gotten you know, a lot of referrals and that type of stuff. And it's a great conversation point. But it was, a, it was an opportunity to really just put, sort of put myself out there and to actually try and grow something. So that's really where the whole thing started.
1: And what has it grown to now? I mean, uh, did you have expectations of it from from the get go? And you know, who's, what makes up the executive athlete community? How does somebody get in into it? A- yeah, definitely.
0: So it really, you know, it started using LinkedIn is what it was, and, when, and LinkedIn was really easy to try to attract people. It was I sort of hacked the system a little bit so I could send multiple. Messages to people to come on board. That's become more difficult. Um, but you know, online there's about eighteen thousand people in the Facebook groups. There's about another four thousand people. I'm really trying to push people towards my website and my podcast um, at executiveathletes.com and getting people to just sign up, to sign up organically. If you're interested, you're interested. You know that type of stuff. And I get a lot of deals from manufacturers or a lot of great content that I can share that I share with lots of people. So in terms of my expectations. I don't know if there's expectations or not. It's really just, you know, it's a, I don't want to use the word passion, but it's a passion project, right? It's mm-hmm. something where I can connect with cool people doing cool things that really mesh um, together.
1: So you mentioned that you're doing the podcast uh, yep. now. Mm. Um, one, what? How, how's it going? Because you needed something else on your plate, right? So. <laughs> right.
0: I love it. Because it's really a combination of my—I've been interviewing people professionally for the last twenty years. Now I'm interviewing super cool people that I want to interview <laughs> for the for the podcast. Believe me, I love interviewing people in my, my day job, but this is—it's interviewing all different types of people, from just regular guys or a cyclists to um, you know multiple Ironman champions, Olympic athletes, and
1: everything in between. But. Everyone has a story and I love to try to get people to tell their story. Yep. I I, I love it. Uh, and, and love hearing yours, you know, the similarities are in, in uh, the professional service industry like I am also. Um, you know, I found myself interviewing entrepreneurs and risk takers all day long for business. And said let's let's start putting them on the air. Yeah. First it was you know, T V and now in podcast format. Um and the questions I had found myself asking to get to know people um, business-wise you know, uh, are the ones that I'm ask, asking now. And we've got choices with who we want to do business with or who you want to recruit or talk to. Uh, and, and it's been interesting to start going after, at least for me professionally, to start finding those more like-minded people in the industries uh, that, that you're passionate about and interested in and that are living a similar lifestyle. And it's it tends to blend itself together kind of naturally
0: it does right and it's it's a great way to really get to know what makes people tick because people like I said it's allowing people to tell their stories every single one of us has a story right and it's how you articulate it and I think that's really what sales is becoming as well gone are the days of the used car salesmen but now it's professional storytellers Is really what sales is it's really Service. It's, well. How can you help them overcome what they're looking for, or give a solution?
1: So let me ask you this: Now that you've got this podcast, um, what's a question you ask your guests that you'd like to answer yourself?
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great question. You know, one one question I always ask my podcast are: If you're really looking, if you could give advice to someone to take the next level, what would it be? To get to the next level in sport or career, you know, what, what would you say? Um, and obviously that varies from from having grit to having an amazing network to, um, you know, just working harder and, you know, that type of stuff. And like you said, I've, I've thought about it, and I think the biggest thing I would tell people is, again, like I said earlier, just sort of be yourself, right, is, is what it is, because gone are the days of our parents' generation, of the, of the baby boomers, of you've got to go to school and become a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief, and you have to have a title, and if you don't have that title, you're not really anyone, um, and that's, that. I think I've learned a lot from interviewing younger people that they are just being themselves, they're doing their their own thing, and they're actually crushing it probably more than people that thought they had to be a doctor or had to be a lawyer or, you know, had to be this, that, or the other thing. So I think number one is just be authentic because you're going to connect with people that are like you no matter what. Um, so I think that's probably my best advice.
1: Yeah. As, as you were talking, I, I, I was jotting down the word authentic right around the time that you said, and I think because you just you just hit the nail on, on the head with that. Um, can, how old are you, if I, if I could just ask that? Um, I'm 45. So, so we're the same age. Um, what's What's a big lesson you've learned in your 40s? I mean, now you know. Look, you and I are right smack mid mid 40s.
0: Right. I know. I when I was I was talking to someone yesterday. He's 44, and he said he's not middle aged yet. And I was like, All right. So now I'm middle aged. So 45 is middle aged. Um, you know what? I think I like my I, I almost like each generation as I get older, right? My twenties were a disaster um, because, you know, again, I was trying to be someone else that, or I thought I needed to be. Um, my thirties were very, you know, we're learning. We were going through some interesting times. My mid thirties with the recession and everything else. And so it became very, you had to become extremely resourceful. And my forties now it's just really here. Let's, Let's let's let ramp it up. Let's take everything to the next level. And I, a lot of people like, oh, you know, i want to start retiring at 55 or 60 or that. I'm like, I, I have no plan to stop anytime soon. And if I'm going to stop, it's going to be, it's not, it's, it's just going to be going in a different direction at full speed versus just doing <laughs> the direction I'm in now.
1: Do you think that? You know, or, or, or I get the the feeling that. Life is starting to pick up a little bit later for, for guys in, in particular. Um, in that, just as you described, we're starting to figure things out a little bit later, and especially if we're taking good care of ourselves, um, we're really kind of just hitting our stride um, <laughs> around now, you know? um, and and becoming more comfortable with again being who you are, you know, and that and that authenticity. You kind of stop. Worrying about what what other people are thinking, um, and you just kind of start doing huh, in there. Um, so, I do, yes, yeah, I do really feel that the second half again is is going to be better than the first.
0: I think so. And like you said, it's again. I'm 45, and I still compete with guys that are in their 20s. So I'm not, you know, I just end up at PT or the chiropractor more. But I'm, <laughs> I'm still out there. Still try to mix it up with them. I know, you know, in the high end stuff, I'll get beat. But it's really what just keeps me motivated. It's you know, let's go out and and see what you can do. And it's try to be a role model for my kids. And you asked the question earlier: Does your family think you're crazy? And I think they do. So I try to motivate my kids. So hey, let's go for a run or let's go do this. And they're just like, no, I'm not going because I'm not going for three hours. I'm not going to ride for sixty miles. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. And I I try to get them to go for for a mile or something like that. They just look at you sideways and just like, you know, sort of facepalm you and go on and do their own thing.
1: How old are your kids?
0: They're nine and 13.
1: Okay, so similar, right? Like mine. So I've got two boys, one is 15 and and the other is 11, about to be be 12. Uh, And I think it's, you know, maybe they think we're crazy, but kind of, Crazy in, in a good way, um, in the manner that we're we're active and we're leading by example, and and maybe you see this where where you are, but unfortunately, and it and it you know it bothers me. Um, there there are there aren't that many other guys, you know, I think around day to day that are doing it, you know, that are pushing it or that are leading, you know, by that example, and I think maybe we've found more of our communities through. The competition you know through your adventure racing and mm-hmm. everything you do um and what i've been doing whether it was the you know crossfit comps or the decathlon or other or triathlon just other ways to 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 be active and you do find those communities but if you're out there day to day in kind of the maybe the the little league world you know or the school parent world um not not that many i i see and i don't know if you see that see that as well um so in certain areas, you know, I felt a little bit like the outsider or the outlier. Uh, mm-hmm. And in other areas, again, finding my, my community feeling like, wow, this is terrific. There are tons of guys like me out there also. Just where, where you put yourself.
0: I, guess. I was just actually on the phone. I was just talking to someone um, on my recruiting side. We're talking about that. We've got a place um, up in New Hampshire and that we ski out of my kids ski race and that type of stuff. So it's, the funny thing is I race in college and now it's the same community of people that were all dads that all have kids racing. So um, number one, that's fun. But number two, it's when I'm up there, I'm, I know, I know way more people. I know the guy at the gas station. I know the guy at the ski lift, at the bakery, at the pizza place, that type of stuff. And we're all on the same wavelength. When I'm at home, it's just not that feeling, right? I'm not the little league dad. I'm not the town soccer dad. I'm not, I'm not that way. And, they they look at you different because you're not that way, number one. Number two, but I think they're also wondering, you know, what your story is. Why are you training? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've told that to my daughter the same thing, who's 13, and just say, you know, embrace that. Embrace the unique. Embrace the weird. Uh, because you're not weird. You're just different. And people don't like different because it's much easier to just be, the same like everyone else versus actually being the one who stands out.
1: Yeah. It's one of my, you, you'd mentioned one of your quote, favorite quotes earlier. You know, one of mine is, is uh, having seen from Kurt Cobain where he said, you know, you, you laugh at me because I'm different, but, but I laugh at you because you're all the same. In, in right. <laughs> and You know, it, it resonates um, and, and connects to that. And I don't judge or, or begrudge anybody for the, the decisions that they make or the lifestyle that they, they live and if they choose to not want to get up and, and train, um, it would be nice if they don't judge in return You know, mm-hmm. or look at, right. look, at you, look at you funny. Um, but has, and, and has this been happening or have you seen this happen with you, especially with the enormous growth of the executive athlete and what you're doing? Guys, you start getting calls or direct messages or an email here or there from like, hey, you know, what are you doing or, or how are you eating? Or where do you train? Or what do you do? Because I think there's a time now, especially with the, the mid-age or, or middle-age or, or midlife, you know, guy where if they are a little bit out of balance, uh, you know, maybe the career is going well, but they've let themselves go physically. Or or vice versa, they're physically, you know, doing great, <laughs> keeping them, but maybe that's out of balance and the professional isn't going, you know, as, as well. And I think they're trying to, you know, I think we're at a time right now where we're just trying to, To pull it together again and and keep moving forward. Do you get that too, people? I
0: do. Yeah, I get people asking me a lot. I've I've actually done some stuff probably with some younger athletes, with the Olympic Committee athletes that are making the transition from being a full-time athlete to, oh my God, I got to pay bills and everything else, right? Because at that point, their identity is completely gone because they're no longer an Olympic athlete, right? And if you're not a gold medal winner in a major sport. You're just another person walking down the street to say it or not say it. But fortunately or unfortunately, that's the way it is here in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really understanding that identity, and I struggled with it for years and years, probably into my 30s of, you know, oh, I'm a I'm an XQ racer, right? Or I'm this or I'm that, and it's it's really what I've like you said, going into your 40s, it's just really embracing all of it. And just saying, Hey, I do this, I do this, I do this, or I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Right. But it's okay to, um, to really get that. But I think I get plenty of calls asking about, you know, the same thing and and I still ask the same questions to other people because I'm curious of how they do it with their balance or how they, how they eat or how they, you know, how do they get stronger this way, that way. Um, because it's it's curiosity, it's wondering. And I think that's the coolest thing about you having social media is having the access to people you never had access to before, number one. And number two, people love to help people out. So if you're ever looking for someone to to help you or people that are listening to this and you're like, oh, I need to, I want to get to the CrossFit gym, but I don't know how to start. Or I want to get into bike racing, but I don't know where to start. Anyone you send a message to, Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, they're going to say, "Hey, try this," or "Hey, try that." So never be afraid to do that.
1: I think it, it's great advice, um, and I think that you know, it, it's so it's so true. There, within the athletic community, and um, and that does not mean you need to be some kind of winner, you know, out there winning everything, you know, or, or dominant. Uh, the executive athlete community, uh, just in general think, you know, a lifestyle of, of health and wellness and fitness, the generosity, I think, willingness of that community to help one another um, is really you know, quite quite astounding. And, and, and applied towards business, uh, we can learn a lot you know, that way. Um you know, people are genuinely happy. It seems they're, they're happy for one another, you know, out there on the course, you know, or we're, we're competing and cheering, cheering each other on. Uh, and... It's been, it's been great, the people that have come on the podcast for me, reaching out to people through social media. You could be almost anywhere in the world and somebody will get back to you um, and we'll meet you for a workout, you know, or, or even a meal.
0: Oh, it's awesome. No, and I think, and like I said, it's, it's that, that connection, right, and that's what I think the executive athletes community, what I've really tried to thrive on is have people connect and have people do deals together and have people put business Businesses together. I can't tell you how many people I get emails from saying, hey, you know, I talked to this person, thanks for, I know you didn't put us together, but thanks for building the community that allowed us to connect or that type of stuff. And that's, you know, to me, that's almost, that's more satisfying than a placement or, you know, that type of stuff or putting a big deal together because that's really what it was built for is to have people connect have like-minded individuals who want to live a healthy lifestyle, really just have an understanding of what it takes to, to live that way, right? And a lot of people, I think, you know, the executive athlete community or a lot of people I hang out with, it's you're, you're always trying to push the limits, but there's healthy limits, right? I'm not wingsuit jumping off of, you know, the Empire State Building. Yep. I think it's, it's it's understanding the limits that you have based on your age and your physical capabilities, but to no. always be pushing those limits to be a little bit stronger, to be a little bit faster, to stretch a little bit more, have better mobility, eat, you know, have a, have one beer less a week or one less dessert because all that stuff matters.
1: Well, yeah, I think it's, the, it's, it's perspective you know, and, and, the, and it shifts over time. Um, you know, more than anything, I focus now on longevity and sustainability. and um, Not nearly as much about about winning, uh, <laughs> ev- ev- right. anything I enter, um, and also not even having to dominate or win each and every workout that you go out there after. Right. There's there's a way that you know that you have to adapt your training to your lifestyle now. Um, to your age to a certain degree. I mean I think again we're in our mid forties and I like to mix it up with people twenty twenty or so years younger and can hold our own around there. But recovery is much more important, you know, right now. Rest is more important. Warm ups are taking longer than actual you know workouts, you know, in there yes. in there. When I look at where my budget is even for for fitness, health, wellness, it's it's more on uh, Norma Tech boots and Hypervolt, you know, <laughs> type stuff um, than it is on the actual fitness itself, you know, in there. Um, and it's just taking a more, maybe a bit more of a mature you know, approach to it. But to me, the definition right now, of, you know, of if you're injured, you are unfit by definition. And more than anything, I just want to be able to move well um, and, and perform it. At a, at a pretty high level, and hopefully inspire other guys to 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 do the same. Um, you know, and join me for more of those morning morning workouts, whatever level you know you're at. Because if you're not doing that stuff, try to inf- positively influence people to, to bring it into bring it into their lives.
0: Well, it's like a Greg Lombardi had the quote. You know, it doesn't get any easier. You just go faster. Right, so <laughs> you're in the uh, you're in the CrossFit gym. You're on your bike. You're out for a run. The effort I do versus the effort you're going to do is all going to be the same because we need to be at eighty percent or ninety percent. And what's interesting about that is your eighty percent is going to be different than my eighty percent, but it's still going to hurt just as bad, just so as effective. Yep, scale effective, and it doesn't matter of how fast you do it or how fast you don't do it. Again, like you said. As I've gotten older, I, you know, I'm, I'm embracing that much much more. Is all right, you know. I know where I need to be for this, or I need to be for that.
1: What's your take? I mean, I guess it kind of leads leads into this a little bit on just just on getting older as, as a man. You know, how are you approaching kind of the the aging the the realization of midlife? I think accepting it
0: right um
1: i know a lot of people that are you
0: know they're very narcissistic about it and i don't think that makes any sense i think it's just accepting the fact that you are getting older right and try to see what you can and, and can't do i guess it's just a continual learning process um and believe me like i said you know i like to you know it, i don't even think i want to be younger anymore <laughs> this is the way the way that i look at it it's here, embrace what I can do now and what can I do moving forward into the future. And really thinking less about my past, where before I would just think so much more about my past, where there's actually, you know, there's hope. There's You can look forward and say, all right, I need to build this or I want to build that. Or I think a lot of it, too, is I'm less, a lot less fearful of trying new things because of that, like you said earlier, really caring what other people think of trying again the, the podcast or building a website or doing this or doing that.
1: What's your daily routine? What's, what's a typical Ken Lubin day?
0: Typically I get up around five, five fifteen. um, Everyone says, don't go check your emails. That's the first thing I do. I go to check my emails.
1: <laughs> That's great because I, I think you sent me an email and I looked at the timestamp and it was 5.15 about confirming, you know, yeah. hey, are we on for 3.30 or 4.30? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Damn, this so, guy gets up early. So I get up and I just, because I can bang
0: out in an hour and a half, three or four hours worth of work. So I like to get up early, um, around during school time, my kid's get to be on the bus, so I Probably stop around 6.15 and start doing lunches and that type of stuff. Um, Get them out. um, Get back down, you know, and get back down to work. Typically by 7 o'clock. Work from 7 to lunchtime. um, Go to the gym or go for a run or for a ride. You know, that's anywhere between an hour, hour and a half. That stuff. Uh, Get back, you know, get back at it to work for the afternoon because it's broken up. And my wife's got to go into the office. She's, like, she's got a real job, I like to say. So she, <laughs> goes, she goes into the office, and around 5:30 or 6, I start making dinner. Um, so the kids, you know, try to make a healthy dinner for the kids, which they don't eat. But we uh, try to do that. Then usually it's lights out for me by, you know, by 9 o'clock. So I can start it all over again.
1: So that's my mm-hmm. typical day. How do you eat? Do you pay a lot of attention to, to your nutrition or your diet?
0: I should better, but you know I'm 80% there. Um, like I said, I'm not afraid to have some ice cream or have some you know cookies here and there because that's why I work out. So I can actually do some of that stuff. Um, but now you know I just eat healthy overall. I've, you know I've tried the keto thing, I've tried the low carb thing, I've tried the hard you know. It's, and what I found is just balance, right? It's everything for me. Everything in moderation works really well. Some people it doesn't, but my disposition it does if i go one extreme into the other i don't have any energy um it just turns into a shit show
1: yeah i I find the balance with the common the common thread and i'm finding more more of the guys that that i'm talking to and it all comes back to the same thing we've all tried pretty much at at some point we've tried pretty much anything you know that's come that's come across okay and and it ends up being a little bit of this a little bit of that you know when i was Paleo or keto, or, you know, is the energy off, you know, versus, okay, I got to bring some carbs back or I got to do this. And it's all experimentation you know, at, at the end of the day, and then finding finding what works. And, and for me, the thing that I found that works is not being kind of hell-bent on any one thing, you know?
0: I Just, found it to be stressful is really what it started becoming as well, because it's not worth the extra four or five pounds at 45 years old be stressed out about what I'm eating um, It's the way that I, you know, the way that I look at it. And what's pretty funny is on my podcast, that's one question I ask everyone is what is your diet? And I've only had so far out of 25, 30 episodes, I've only had one, one or two people say they follow anything specific. Everything else is very in
1: moderation. Yeah, it's the same yeah, I mean, at least in in my experience too. Um, you know, even uh, even some of the hardcore CrossFitters. I think I was watching one of those CrossFit documentaries, and and the whole CrossFit community for a while was Paleo, Paleo, Paleo. You know, and I'm watching this documentary, and it's all the the top CrossFit athletes in the world. They're all sitting around the table where they're announcing events, and they're all sitting there and they're putting away bread and this and that, you know, eating basically whatever they want. You know, but if you're burning that many, you know, if you're burning Burning that much, and you're that kind of a machine. I mean, heck, you can you can almost eat whatever you want.
0: Well, and that's it. I have a friend of mine that does a lot of you know fitness training and coaching around food and that type of stuff. And once you're, again, you're not going to start a fire with wet sticks, right? Uh, that's that's not a good thing, and that's what junk food is. Um, but once your once your fire is up and raging, you can throw wet sticks in the fire, and nothing's going to happen. And it's really <laughs> great analogy that way that you know once it's stoked and ripping war roaring you know yeah you had a super hard workout you went for a four-hour bike ride it's okay to have a beer or a couple beers afterwards with your buddies um or have you know chocolate cake or do or or whatever you want whatever you want to have that's my philosophy with it um again you know and it really became i had actually as someone i've interviewed for my podcast that you'll be coming up, coming up later. But this woman, Susan Kleiner has written multiple, multiple books on nutrition and a lot of covering the same topic. And she's like, it's pretty funny because I coach uh, nutrition for athletes as triathletes or Crossfitters that say they're keto adapted, but they're really eating carbs and doing all this stuff. But they sit because they know the energy levels are so draining that they want them to believe that they're actually doing this stuff without the carbs, but it's, hmm. it's sort of a comp- psychological competitive advantage. But yeah, even you know the top guys that say they're doing it, a lot of them really aren't doing it, and I'll probably get eviscerated <laughs> for saying that. But I'm getting it from the inside source.
1: Yeah, I, again, I I don't doubt it. Some you know uh, some of the posturing and, and stuff on it. And I've got a buddy of mine who's great, and he's, and he's you know hook line in the in the I don't even know whether you pronounce it. Keto, keto, keto. I think. and then take this and try that. I'm into it. I'm like, I am not getting myself into a state of, of ketosis. You know, like it's right. just I don't think like, it's 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 wasted on me, you know. I'm gonna do the best I can, kinda eighty of twenty rule, you know. Uh as as best I can I feel better when I'm eating healthy and eating clean, but I'm not gonna beat myself up over you know, over any of it, you know, if we're if we're traveling or if I want it and look I'm not gonna Get hit by a bus crossing the street one day and say I haven't had a burger or a pizza in, in eight months. It's just not, not not worth it.
0: In there. I had a friend of mine who his name is Joe Decker and he's won the you know he's won the death race a bunch of times. He's Guinness Book of World Records most fittest guys and he runs a fitness company out in San Diego. And they're always you know he's not a fitness, but, you know, what we're just talking about. Um, and he's like, he's like, you don't know how many people are telling me I should eat this way or I should eat that way. And his response is the greatest response ever. He said, hey, when you start beating me, it's when I'll start eating your way.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's
0: awesome. Is great.
1: Let's talk a little bit about fatherhood, parenting. Um, what type of dad are you?
0: What type of dad am I? You know, I I just, I try to treat my kids just like, you know, like they're kids, right? I try to, you know, I, I, I let them experience things until shit really starts hitting the fan and then I'll step in. But I really try to be independent and let them understand that, hey, if your grades are great, then I, you don't need me to intervene. And if you need help, I'll, I'll help you. Um, that's sort of my style of, of what I do. i probably the furthest from like a helicopter parent. I'm probably almost on the opposite of here. Um, you know, you make your decisions and we'll figure out if decisions you make are good or bad. Um, and that'll come down to, all right, you know, here's $20 for lunch and what did you buy? Well, if you bought all cookies and crap and everything, well, you're not getting another 20 bucks for lunch. So if you came back and, you know, you came back and said, hey, you know, I needed to fuel my body for this workout this afternoon because we're trying to swallow Well, that's a different ballgame. Um, you know, that type of stuff. So it's really, I try to do it much more experiential. I'm not afraid to let my kids, you know, I sent my kids to, uh, the Dominican Republic with my 70 year old mother and they were, you know, 12 and, you know, 12 and eight, you know, that's mm. a hell of an adventure, that type of stuff. But, you know, they've been, they've, ex- it wasn't the first time they've been there, right. They've been there multiple times, but you know, that's uh, you know, little adventures like that. So try to keep, let there be a long leash, but if something, you know, like I said, when it when it really starts hitting the fan, be ready to jump in and help them.
1: What do you think's the most challenging part, or, or what's been the most challenging to you, um, as 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 a father? You know, I always kind of joke a little bit that hey, being being a dad, being a dad is easy to me. You know that's the right. fun stuff. Like let's go ride our bikes. Let's go. Let's go play. I can go pitch BP to you. You know I can. Let's go play tennis. Like whatever you want to do. The dad fun stuff. Okay, in there. But but being a parent is is hard. Okay, that's oh I have to pay tuition. I'm supposed to guide you. You know I'm supposed right. to give you give you good advice. Like if you get out of line, I'm supposed to potentially you know have discipline discipline you. Yeah, in, in there. The parenting. It is, is hard. Um, what's what's challenging for you? You
0: know, I'm probably a better parent than I am just sort of the fun dad guy. Um, that's what's challenging for me, right? Because I have two girls. And I try to, you know, they're just into different things that I don't do, right? They're into arts and crafts, and that's like my worst nightmare,
1: <laughs> arts and crafts. <laughs>
0: you know, I have zero creative ability. But now really what I'm, starting to do is to learn how can i integrate that in with my you know with my stuff so i'm actually gonna have my 13 year old daughter pretty much like produce my podcast but she's really good at editing stuff she's really good at video she's really good at using garage band and that type of stuff so that's you know for me the hardest part is being the fun guy being the fun dad that's challenging for me
1: well, that's great. That's a great idea. Tap your kids to help you with your podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking, mm, wait a minute. I I have an Free older labor. Son. yeah, I've got an older son who's better at that stuff than I am. That's for sure. Okay, <laughs> maybe Good I. You're
0: maybe...
1: a resume builder. Definitely. Def, what's your extracurricular? My extracurricular is yeah. helping my dad get this show up and off the ground every week. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But you know that type of stuff. Um,
0: or you know they both ski race, so it's like
1: all
0: right you know, I can help, you know, show you how to tune your skis or, you know, take those, that types of responsibilities, you know, all that type of stuff.
1: Are you a similar parent to your parents? Were you, were you close with your parents? Is that, were they adventurous also? Um, Skiing, adventure racing, um, or are you doing it differently?
0: You know, do we ever do it differently than what your parents do? I think it's, you try no matter what, but it's always difficult. Um, my dad, you know, was a Green Beret in Vietnam. We, wow. you know, I was doing shit at young ages that would never, you know, shouldn't be <laughs> shouldn't be allowed to do with knives and guns and all that type of stuff. Um, but we were always going, you know, on you know, climbing Mount Washington and climbing here and climbing there and doing a lot of that stuff. So I was doing a lot of that stuff at young ages. So I think I really. I just sort of take it for granted a lot of the stuff that I do because it was almost innate of what I, what I grew up doing. Um, but you know, I had a you know, as I get older, I had a shitty relationship with him, so you know, it was uh that wasn't good. And then you know, he died at a young age, and you know, it's, it's
1: how it's old dynamic. is your how old is your father when he passed? Or how old were you when your father passed away? He died. He was fifty-six.
0: I was 28. 27. It was, uh, he died on September 12, 2001, the day after 9 11. So, it was mm. an interesting time.
1: Yeah, my, my dad passed away at 47, and I was 17. Yeah. Uh, not, with, with two younger brothers. Um, and I think when I finally kind of got my head out of my ass, yeah, however many years, you know, from not, not being healthy, one of the reasons I started down to uh, take be, you know take better care of myself um, was based on this notion that things are things are finite you, know? you just you just never know um, as, as, in particular now two years you know like at 45 and he was 47 I, go, I can't imagine at huh, right. right that point can't imagine when oh, okay. you're just kind of coming coming into your own um, and but on, on that note you' know, at, at 17 for me and and, and and Aaron, at a young age for, for yourself, who are some of your influences or, or mentors? Um, were you able to kind of fill, fill that void or did you find yourself looking to fill that void for advice, mentorship, kind of influence? You know, and I've had that question before. I don't know. I think I just
0: did, right? It's really what it was. It's just, you know what, if I'm interested in something, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And I did a lot of, you know, it was really learning to get out of comfort zone at a young age of, hey, I'm interested in this. How do I, how do I learn that, right? Or how do I go after that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, that's a hard one. You know, my mother was a major influence on me. One of her favorite things, you know, when I was racing and everything there, she's always like, you know, if you want to get fast, uh, I would always ask, you know, think about how can I get faster? She would will, she will always say, stay on the wheel of the fast guy. So it's like, it was pretty simple. Or if you don't know what you want to do, you know, if you don't know what you want to do with your life, uh, go make as much money as possible because you can arrive to your problems in style, right? (laughs) Making money versus being, you know, being broke and being poor. That, you know, so there was a lot of advice like that, you know, very just matter of fact to the point. But I know, you know, for myself, I raised a lot of myself, um, you know, through a number of things and just sort of was really just became extremely reliant on who I was and trusting myself. And the funny thing is, I, tr- I think I trusted myself through my early 20s better than I did through my mid 20s and mid 30s. And now just sort of getting back to really trusting myself again.
1: Why do you think that is? I guess I identify with that statement very much. Why, why do you think it is? You know, I think because society, for me, was saying we should
0: be this way, and I didn't want to be that way, and I would question, you know, myself. And the question of myself, you know, stemmed into, a, you know, dealing with a lot of anxiety, dealing with a lot of the stuff around that, you know, dealing with that. Because it was, I never felt, again, sort of authentic or at peace with who I was or what I was, and as, uh, you know, and that was, a, you know, that was a struggle for me. And now, like I said, back in my 40s, that's actually become, you know, more
1: and more, um, you know, become easier. Yep. Ag- agree. Um, and definitely identify with that. How do your coworkers, business partners, how, how do they perceive you at this point in your athletic and adventurous side? Or do you have anybody there that's doing it with you?
0: So, No. Um, one of the original founders that was with our company, he liked to do, he had actually gone through a major health kick, lost a hundred pounds and really got started getting into a lot of that stuff. But they, you know, I think they just, they just accept it. It's really what it comes down to. Um, I think they probably think I'm a little crazy, which is fine. Um, But it's, you know, it's who I am and part of what I do because in my business, a lot of these guys have, some big extracurricular activities, from golf to flying to the you know to this, that, or the other thing,
1: and of you're course, just, some of
0: them are just focus primarily on work, and that's fine too. That's
1: what they love. That's what they do. You know, I don't hold it against them. Mm-hmm. No, these are the thing. questions. Yeah, yeah, these are the questions. I I I love hearing other people's experiences in there as. You know, as I sit here in my office, you know, talking, talking to you, and I've got eight partners, and it's exactly that. You know, some their extracurricular consists. I think I'm the only insurance probably broker partner out there that doesn't golf. I think that's all they got. You know, um, and you, to your extent, you know, you sit down at the at, at the at the board meeting, if you will, and you've got the ones that are fixated and, and uh, on work, and that's what they love. Doesn't matter. eat, sleep, and breathe it. You've got. And those with different extracurriculars, um, and I like what you said because I've spent years, you know, trying to again even find my way and balance that authenticity um, and relationship with my partners with who I am and what I do and the way I do it, um, and also the way the way they do it, you know, uh, right. And and I look at it as look if everybody somebody has to somebody has to ensure that that athletic you know company <laughs> you know that that chain of gym. somebody has to insure those executive athletes if you will somebody has to you know if you're using that equipment or eating that food or doing it somebody's got to insure them it might as well be somebody that eats it drinks it lives it and breathes it you know more of the more of the like-minded mentality
0: exactly exactly so
1: the, the uh, message there of, of be authentic and, and be True to who you are, and in whatever industry you may be, you may be in professionally. There are always people out there that can that can identify.
0: Right, and that's you know, and that's what, again, it's a you know, I think I, ju- I judge less, right? I think you know, in your thirties, you're always judging people. I know for me, it's you know, that's what I get paid to do is judge people. But if just sort of let let people be who they are, and then it's much easier. No, I'm not going to change you. You're not going to change me. Let's just start realizing that. It's it's much better off.
1: It is, um, and and a great kind of I think wrapping wrapping up a point because you've been generous and have given me a ton of your time. And I know you've got an appointment to get to because we got to. We got to take care of ourselves. <laughs> I got to go to
0: chiropractor gotta... <laughs> to get to get fixed. So that's, yeah, I think
1: um... I I figured I'd let you say it. You know, not <laughs> you own, but it's all about self self repair and and maintenance and longevity and sustainability. And I could never get in the way of your Cairo appointment <laughs> after, <laughs> after this. But Ken, I want to I want to thank you. Uh, I really really enjoyed learning more about about you, about your podcast, about executive athletes, um, your recruiting business, and and all that that. You are about. Um, so let me just make sure I get this right for everybody out there, also. Um, first of all, it's, it's Ken Lubin and the Executive Athletes Podcast. And the best place to find it, you want them going to executiveathletes.com for the yeah. site now?
0: Yeah, so go there. Um, everything's posted there. Most all the episodes are posted in the blog. Um, so you can read a story of, you know, about each person that's there. So And sign up on the site. And if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook, join it on LinkedIn or Facebook as well. Um, A lot of it still lives on LinkedIn. Um, I do a weekly blast. Many times I ask a question to find out information, what everyone else is doing. And if you want to reach out to me directly, my uh, email is just Ken at executiveathletes.com. So it would be great to hear from anyone.
1: Absolutely. Well, Ken, again, Thank you again for being part of the Midlife Mail podcast. I really enjoyed it. Best of luck with everything. Um, and, and we'll catch up again for part two soon.
0: Definitely. It was a pleasure. Thanks. I really appreciate it. The Midlife Mail podcast with Greg Scheiman was presented by Inns Group Insurance. In's Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit insgroup.net.